This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we have the one and only Lindsay Sterling. She's one of this generation's most recognized classical crossover musicians. Lindsay's got almost 5 million subscribers and over 600 million views on her YouTube channel. She also just released her new album, Shatter Me, which debuted at number one on iTunes overall, number two on Billboard's Top 200 overall, number one on Billboard's Independent Albums, classical crossover albums, and dance electronic albums. This girl it's a lot of categories. Is, is bringing it. I mean, I, I was super excited to talk to her. She performed at the YouTube Space opening, you know, that event. We were there. Yep. I was super bummed that I didn't get to meet her that night. She was she was playing her violin and dancing like right over there. I was like, I could go talk to her right now, but it's in the middle of her performance. That would have been awkward. And that would it was like, what that's Link busting up Lindsay's performance. This Why? is a much better setting, you know. She didn't, uh, you know, she right. didn't even bring her instrument for this conversation, which you know, simplifies true. things. It it definitely simplifies things, because I mean. When this girl's playing the violin, she's not just playing the violin. She's she's moving her. She's moving. She's dancing. I mean, that's, you really have to watch one of her music videos if you don't know uh, what she does to get a full appreciation. I mean, she's, or, or go to her live show. Right. She's combining, uh, you know, this classical music, this uh, the violin with all these different genres of music: hip hop, pop, rock dubstep and now she's moving into electronica and she's got this completely original sound but also a completely original presentation of that yeah i mean all of her videos look amazing but it's because what she does is amazing her original song dubstep track crystallize uh we'll play a clip of that it was the eighth most watched video on youtube in 2012 it currently has over 94 million views And the music video for the title track of her new album, Shatter Me, features Lizzie Hale on vocals. So she's starting her tour. Um, we, you know, she was able to come by at the last second before she hits the road. We're very glad that she was able to spend some time with us so that we could get to know her. We cover a lot of good things in this conversation. I mean, dealing with the harsh rejection that Pierce Morgan dealt to her on live television, uh, I was interested to talk about that, as well as the recent critical reviews in the New York Times. Yeah, and we also talk about how her YouTube career got off the ground. Uh, at the same time, how a certain other popular YouTuber was a part of that and also a part of her romantic life. Mm-hmm. We also talk about the personal ramifications of being included in the I'm a Mormon marketing campaign 
and how her struggle with anorexia played a major role in the development of her new album. So, yeah, we get to all these things. Yeah, this it's, is it's an what, ear biscuit. Yeah. yeah. What, what would you expect, people? Here it is, our ear biscuit with Lindsey Sterling. Now, we can talk about the, it's not, the Owl City thing, is that secret? No, the track's out, so it's been released. In the music video? And yeah. But, you, I mean. We can chat about it. What okay. Kind of, what kind of details can we get? What kind of BTS deets? Ooh. So you, but you, came, you came here straight from shooting the Owl City music video. What song is it? What's it called? It's called Beautiful Times. Yep. It's pretty awesome. It's his new single for his uh, his EP, and it's uh, it's really happy go lucky and fun feeling, and which is perfect for Lindsey Sterling music. I like it. <laughs> well, he usually keeps it dark, so that's like a switching it up. Huh? I know, I know. We really went for something new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very um, it's, my uh, Locke didn't link into Locke. My son really got into Al City a couple years ago. And it was like that. We Al City was just always playing, and you always felt like you were like. We kind of walked in the room, and you're like, "Okay, I, I'm ready. I'm, you know, I'm ready to do something positive." It's like the soundtrack to anti-depression. Exactly. It's like yeah. an antidepressant. I think so. That's what Al City music is. And you know, it was funny. They had me sitting. Like I have never sat through a whole music video, hmm. but they had me. I was like, I'm kind of a. How'd you do that? Dancing violinist. This is difficult. And so, but they wanted me to sit, so I sat there the whole time. And I was, you know, that music makes you want to skip in general. You and were at I, least like kicking your legs out or something, oh, right? <laughs> totally. I was, you know, tapping my toes, and the feet started to go crazy, and yeah. But you, you like turn to the director. You're like, you know what I do, right? <laughs> I know. Well, and then it was funny at the end. At the very end, they were like, "Okay, now we want you to stand up." And they asked me, like, "Can you like, can you walk and play at the same time?" And I was just like, uh, "You know what I, <laughs> I do? I, I like to dance and jump. Can and you walk can and you play? Walk? Really? That's probably never been asked yeah, before of I was you. Slightly offended, but <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I can do a little bit more than that too. Like, I know this may be a crazy out. request, but." Can you walk and play? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, that's how he said it. I thought that was kind of And humorous. so you shot that here in Burbank. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to go to New Zealand or <laughs> Africa or any other exotic ice field location. Now for this one, we actually shot it. It looks like I'm sitting in clouds. So it's even better than okay. going to New Zealand. It's like I'm up in the- Heaven. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm kind of like in heaven. Okay. Wow. Have you thought about doing a, um, just kind of hitting me now as you talk about having to, to sit during the video- this could be, we're always trying to come up with different ideas uh, for us to do, like new. Uh, and But you've got something on your face right there. You want to get it uh, off Your left me? eye. <laughs> like it's, there, there it is. Kind of distracting you? It, yeah, I'm sure it's, Lindsay, did you see it? And you, <laughs> you know, didn't want to say I, anything? You know, you never want to say, it's like the booger in someone's nose. But what nose. was it? You is it an, it's an eye booger? No, it's I not. I think it's a, it was a cheek booger. Maybe it was an eye booger that traveled. Cheek boogers. Wow. It's it's a migrating (laughs) eye booger. All right. Well, I I wish I could show you a visual right now. (laughs) Everyone's going to be jealous. Were you looking at it? Actually, I wasn't. Okay, that's good. Well, maybe she was blocked by that part of the uh, the mic. The mic is kind of blocked. But what I was getting at was the fact that um, we envision ourselves as guys who might one day have like a uh, a workout system, like a workout uh, DVD. We've, Your we've, own we've, with we've you. Ex- we've guys? experimented with two guys, uh, two weights. 
this is two guys each grasping a weight. It's kind of a long story. I don't think any of these things are gonna pan out, but I can definitely see like a whole workout series for people in the orchestra. You know what? I've thought about doing it more of a parody idea for like my second channel, how fun that would be to do like a violin. Because violinists, um, I was, you know, a classically trained violinist in orchestras for years, and we get kind of a bad rap of being out of shape. And so I was like, I should do, like, I had thought. A lot of sitting be, in aluminum chairs. Right. Is, is, and very serious expressions. It looks like we never had fun in our lives. Well, but so. have you seen like. Uh, Surely there's been, you know, like high school orchestras out there who have been like inspired and they're like, oh, this is a Lindsey Sterling joint right here. And all of a sudden, they, you know, they're like playing for their parents and the next thing you know, they're getting up and doing some choreographed dance. That's happening, right? I sure hope so. I have not seen oh, it. Oh, come in on. Mass- if that's happening somewhere out there, we, we need we to see that. We want to see this. I want to see it. I've seen individuals do it, but holy cow, if like a whole orchestra a did it, that would be sweet. Yeah. Oh, it'll happen thanks to you. But right, just to go back a second. You, guys, are you still looking at my eye booger? <laughs> I don't want to go back that far. Just to go back to your eye booger. <laughs> no, to go back to the thing after that. You were suggesting that, Lindsay, start a workout DVD. That's, that's just short of asking her, hey, Lindsay, have you ever thought about playing kids birthday parties like <laughs> no, no, no 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 what are you doing to that girl no, no, were you crazy that's where the real money's at man really? you, you ever heard of billy blanks yeah but <laughs> richard simmons i just yeah you're, you're not doing any just, better so now you're putting her on that level with it, billy no, blanks and richard simmons it just hit me that the, the, the hip-hop thing and then you know and, and oh, michelle obama wants she's doing the what is it get up and move campaign or whatever with all the kids i mean you could it's be true. like the white house spokesperson can, i'm sorry if we've offended you no, no offense we have not offended can, her <laughs> i can just say it right now i appreciate your sensitivity though to this this subject though that's very kind of well, you well i mean seriously do people want people <clears throat> i imagine people want to be able to describe what you do and encapsulate it to to boil it down to just a couple of adjectives or just throw a couple of things. Well, this is what this is who Lindsay Sterling is. This is what she does. Right. And, you know, it's funny. Um, recently, you know, I just released my new album and there was this fight on iTunes of them wanting to put it in different categories. And, you know, and we had to really fight to let it stay. I was like, I want to be on the electronic charts. Like, I feel like I'm an electronic mm-hmm. artist, but the classical charts wanted it and the pop charts were like, no, she belongs over here. And it's just funny. No one knows how to classify it. So, so you mean somebody at the charts was like asking your Yes, there's edit- I didn't know this. There's editors of every page and they control. And you only get one? You only get one category on iTunes? For your album to be in the charts, yes. On Billboard, you can like have two, like classical and okay, okay, you know okay. dance. But um, on iTunes, there's only one place where it gets to sit. And and mm. you chose electronica. Yeah, I was like, I feel like I'm an electronic artist. I can hang with these guys. And then straight to number one. Yes. Oh my gosh. Of course. Yeah. And so it was really so it was really a question of you were going to get number one anyway. You might as well. Yeah, let me pick my chart. <laughs> let me be where I want to be. But then Billboard gave you, you went to the top of Billboard both. Yes. Um, in both the classical. That was easy for you. And, um, like, you guys handle it. I'll go to the top of all of them. <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. It was ni- It was a nice, like, you know, you always keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best, but it was a nice, like, oh, my gosh. I think I seriously stared at the iTunes page for about a solid hour after the record release, just refreshing the page and being like, 
it's still there. Oh my gosh, it's still number one. And so, I mean, I was like a little kid in a candy store. I was so excited about it. Now, are you resistant to it being classified as either classical or pop uh, alone? I know because it's not either one of those things alone. And then, is uh, because you incorporate so much electronic music into your stuff, is that are you like okay? Well, if I if I classify it as electronica, then I've got you know, it's like a happy medium. Why not alternative or you know? It, yeah, it could go in so many different spaces. I like to think of myself as an electronic artist because i that's kind of why I started doing the art form that I do is because I got sick of being a classically, you know, classical violinist. I got burnt out and I just was like, I'm so tired of playing music that's been played for hundreds of years, you know, from Mozart to, to now. And, uh, and what venues were you playing that classical, classical music? Um, just in orchestras. I played okay. in um, orchestras in high school, you know, I played in the college orchestra at uh, Brigham Young University and, uh, you know, and I would do little solo gigs every now and then at weddings, but I was like, I want to, I want to entertain. I don't want to just impress. And I thought, well, what kind of music do I like? And I love EDM. I love dubstep and I was really getting into Skrillex. And so that's why I want to be a classified as an electronic artist. It's obvious that there's classical music involved. There's a violin. So that's not going to surprise anybody, but you know, the electronic side of it is something new for the violin. And so that's why I like to sit there. <laughs> and sometimes you actually play the electric violin anyway, right? I do. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not on every track, right? No. Most of the time I actually play an acoustic traditional right. violin because I just like the sound of it better. <laughs> but either way, there's so much, you know, electronic music in there that it's mm-hmm. like, this is, this is my category. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my self-chosen category. I mean, and... I didn't necessarily want to bring this up this soon, but since we're there, when you talk about pop and classical, you've got, what was that, the New York Times piece? Ah, Yes, I had my first Basher article written on me in a small paper, the New York Times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. And the way that they set it up was a a pop expert or whatever and a classical music expert Expert. critic, two two critics. Mm -hmm, Right. And doing what critics do, being critical. Right. And, you know, we're reading this before you come over, and uh, Rhett's reading, he's like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, well, I'm reading this article. So, so then I read it, and it's, you know, they're being very critical. I mean, right. this just came out. Yeah, I think two days ago or something. Is <clears throat> when you read it, I assume you've read it. I did read I mean, it. How, <laughs> like, no, this is news Only to me. How would, you, how would you describe it? Um, you know, I was really taken back because I've never had, um, you know, I've never had a mean article written about me. They've always been very positive and like, oh, this is really interesting or, you know, this girl's an entrepreneur or just, you know, talking about the YouTube model or the music. But I've never had someone blatantly just say, gosh, she's not talented. She's not, you know, she's, she's bad at the classical music and she's bad at the electronic. You know, I've never had someone come out and say that. So... You know, it's one thing for people to be like, oh, that stuff never bothers me. But it bothers, you know, mm-hmm. it, it can't, I don't know how you can not be kind of hurt when you read that stuff. And uh, I actually got the article sent to me by um, Peter Hollins, and I think he didn't read it. He just was like, oh, check it out. You're in the New York Times. And then immediately he sent a, fo- like he sent a link and then <laughs> immediately sent a follow-up text of like, oh, I just, uh, you know, don't, they don't know what they're talking about. So I'm like, oh, he obviously didn't read this before he <laughs> sent it. But, um, well, on one hand, it, there's that sensation of 
you know you've arrived at at some certain level when there's people trying to rip you apart. That doesn't happen if uh, if you're just floating in the lower echelons. Trust me, I, I've experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all, right? <laughs> no, it's true. That's what um, every you know my managers and my band they were like, don't listen to it. Yeah, like if you don't have haters, it's a uh, you know you're not doing something right. So that's mm-hmm. very true. And at the end of the day, it's kind of. Uh, you know, rethinking about it. It's like, you know, when you're making the the old school guys scratch their heads and say, I don't get how this is working. It's kind of a cool, you know, I think that's what we YouTubers have been doing is making the old school program and system just say, I don't get it. I got to figure out because I don't get it. And so. Well, that that was the interesting thing about it. It was both of them, the pop guy and the classical guy were asking the question, why? Yeah. And I think that says it all. Uh, you know, for them to ask the question, why is she popular? Mm-hmm. Just in therein lies the, they've exposed themselves. They, they, they are disconnected from what's actually happening in the place where, uh, you know, you're experiencing this incredible success, which is just, it's a, it's a different thing. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and well-deserved. I, I would say in addition to that, it's, they're both speak. You talk about talk about that people try and encapsulate you or put you in a box, right? Um, that okay, they try to put one guy speaks from the pop box and someone else from the <clears throat> classical box. Well, you're you know, there's all these fights happening over the iTunes charts, wanting to know where to put you to, right? So that, to me, it seems like an asset that it's people can't box you in in that way. I mean, is that is that something that was calculated or just a byproduct of what of you expressing yourself? You know, I've always kind of it's kind of been a theme I think of my life is I always hated it when people were categories. I didn't think categories were meant for people. You know, if you want to be a dancer who says you have to be shaped perfectly like this or if you want to be a model like not all people are sh- are the same look you know I, I don't understand why everybody feels that people have to be categorized and and so in my music I just wanted to throw all these things together that I loved without thinking about what it's supposed to be or what it's always been or what does go together dancing and violin that does not go together but I love both I love kind of quirky fashion I love making videos and I thought what can I possibly do with my life that involves all my favorite things like regardless of the rules and this is kind of what happened and you say you've never had anyone be that mean to you but that's not really true I mean you've got (laughs) you've got the Piers Morgan thing on America's Got Talent which I would love to get to that kind of in context Uh if we could go back and kind of hear more of your story from the beginning. I'd love to hear where you came from and the start of it all. And I'm talking emphasis. Oh my goodness. So the start of it all. um, I started playing when I was a little kid. I begged my parents for lessons. Where is this? This is actually in California. I live, I grew up in uh, Santa Ana when I was, you know, until I was like eight years old. And um, where the winds are? Yeah. Where the winds come from? Santa Ana winds. Yeah. My, my, My mom, when we lived out here when I was a kid, and uh, since we moved back out here, my mom will will you know kind of call and start talking to me, and she is like, 
You feeling those Santa Ana winds? <laughs> she's from she's from Georgia, but it's like, boy, she remembers those Santa Ana winds. Is it? Is that every do you time? Remember it? I actually don't. <laughs> I just I just agreed because I you seemed so okay. excited about it. Well, Rhett's mom seemed excited. Uh, yeah, about does it. she ask Santa every Anna time winds. she calls? Uh, no, but she's obsessed with the Santa Ana winds. And I can't. You're the source of them. Oh, your sorry, town. Sorry, I, mean, I apologize. She, <laughs> when, she was young. Yeah, I didn't know any better. Okay, so she just thought it was normal, that breeze. Yeah. And what was your family like? I mean, your parents, siblings? Yeah, I have, uh, well, back then I had uh, two sisters and my mom and dad. And my dad was a, you know, freelance writer at the time, which we were a pretty, you know, if that says much, we were not financially well off. Um, what kind of writer? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what, what did he write? Um, whatever he could find. He wrote advertisements. He wrote, you know, just anything. He also, he used to read me bedtime stories of his scripts. That was his dream job was to be a film script writer. And so, like, I got a lot, I, a lot of who I am today is from my dad because mm -hmm. he just kind of, like, filled my head with stories and experiences and adventures. And he always told me, like, you know, chase your dreams. And he was chasing his dreams when I was a kid. And and also, he wasn't afraid of the fact that, you know, sometimes chasing your dreams doesn't mean you have to succeed. It's the it's the fact of chasing your dreams and feeling okay. Hmm. You know, even if you don't get it, you still tried. And my dad is still writing and, you know, doing stuff. And he never had his film made yet. But, you know, um, he's just inspired me so much to not be afraid of the fact that someday you might not reach your dream, but it's okay to try. Hmm. Or, you know, it's kind of essential to try. Um, right. So I'm very grateful to my dad for filling my head with crazy dreams. And I always said, I want to, I want to grow up and be like you, dad. Like I want to, I want to have adventures and do things. And um, what about <clears throat> your mom? My mom's the best. She, um, she was a stay at home mom. She raised a bunch of crazy little kids. And, um, she was the most supportive, just driving us all to like whether it was violin lessons or soccer practice or um, you know. And still, she's coming out to LA actually this weekend for my my tourist starting, mm -hmm. and she's going to be helping me like kind of finish sewing my costumes. And she's going to be you know I gave her a list of I also need a pirate map. Can you make me a pirate map? Like you know she's just super crafty and just personally you you need a pirate <laughs> map or that's part I of the show. Do it. well okay it's part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want my Mom, show to first. Film. You have to bury the treasure. Right? Backstage, and then you have to make a map for me to find it. <laughs> wow, it's quite a game. Yeah. Well, so, you're a pirate in your... No, there is a... I wrote a song called Master of Tides, and the whole theme of the song is I wanted it to feel like you were on a pirate adventure. And so in the show, like, my dancers are using violin bows as swords, and the whole thing is like we're on a we're on a pirate quest. I'm the captain, and it, it, the show is actually pretty theatrical. Do you wear an eye patch? <clears throat> you know, I... If, I might. I have not finalized that yet, but should I wear an iPad? Want, for that number, yes. <laughs> yeah. Or all night. Uh, does anybody get scurvy? Nobody gets scurvy. Maybe I'll add that in there. <laughs> well, if we give you th a third piece of advice, we're going to uh, have to get a credit in the program. Yeah. You should pass out oranges to the, to the entire what? audience during that number. Oranges? That treats scurvy. Oh, okay. You started off and said, you've all got scurvy, and then you give away free oranges. <laughs> hey, listen, hey. We'll, Just we, put us on payroll. Yeah, we'll travel yeah. with you. I'm going to say, creative yeah. directors, yeah, you'll, right you'll here. You'll have that exercise video, and you'll be wearing an <laughs> eye patch, <laughs> and then your career will be over so quickly. Okay. So your mom is your mom's in charge of the eye patch and the uh, yes, treasure map. and the treasure map. And when, so when did you move from Santa Ana? 
Uh, we moved to Arizona when I was eight, and that's where most of my memories are from my mm-hmm. childhood. I, f- I consider that home. My family still lives there. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. Arizona. Arizona, nice and hot. And, like, we're talking desert? Not, like, the high, snowy part of Arizona, no, which desert. exists. Yes, it does. Surprisingly, no one knows about that part, <laughs> except for you. Yeah, I, d- I drove through the, the cold part one time. I was like, what is this? This, this can't be <laughs> I'm in, not in Arizona right now. So what kind of things did you do to uh, entertain yourself at that age when you moved to Arizona? You know, we always, when we moved to Arizona, it was like our family's dream to live in, quote, we always called it the country. And we wanted to live somewhere where we could have like a horse in our backyard and chickens and um <clears throat> Yeah, we moved to the country, and we did. We ended up getting a horse, and so we would ride. Um, me and the—we the, made best friends with the neighbor kids, and we would play cops and robbers all day and build hay forts. I mean, the kind of like podunk. We'd play in the ditches. That was my childhood. Hay forts. Yeah. And you have a violin at all times? Always. No, I did not. <laughs> That's what I pictured. Okay, so hay fort violin. Ooh, that's like a little hoedown in itself right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. But no violin yet? <clears throat> violin, yes, but uh, I didn't take it to the hay forts. I would play at home, and then when I went outside, I'd leave the violin at home. Were you now, playing other instruments, too? Uh, you know, you know, piano, piano lessons or guitar or anything else? Or it was like, no, this is my instrument. It was pretty much violin until, um, let's see, I, I picked up the flute, and then the baritone in, in high school. I mean, wow. I wasn't, I mean, I was kind of your typical, I mean, I was in orchestra. I played the baritone and the flute. I was like a band nerd and an orc dork. Like I was the cool kid on campus, obviously. <laughs> now, so, when you make a decision to uh, play an instrument, I mean, I, I know what goes in, went into it for me. It was just like, how cool am I going to be? I don't know why I chose trumpet and Link <laughs> also chose trumpet. Nice. I, I just felt Still like- play? Se- no. Oh. Saxophone. Oh, I have it though. Okay. I felt like saxophone is like I'm trying to be cool, and you know I'm trying to be cool. And trumpet is like I'm in the brass section, but I'm cool, and I I can make this cool. It go. It can okay. go either way with the trumpet. Trombone is kind of like uh, I don't have a chance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, so, tuba. You don't have a chance. <laughs> but, so when yeah. when you just made the decision, you obviously made this decision at a at a young age. But what went into it? Did, was <clears> there <throat> like, oh, this person plays the violin? They're my inspiration, or it's like, no, I think I, that thing can fit up under my chin real well. Right? <laughs> what, what went into that? So when I was really little, my parents used to take me and my sisters to orchestra concerts and because they loved classical music. Neither of them played. They would also play these old records of classical music in our home. And at the concerts, I don't know if you've been to an orchestra concert in a while, but the first violin player, the first chair, mm-hmm. they come out at the beginning of the concert and they tune the entire orchestra. And usually ah, they're wearing power. something. Yeah. They're wearing something a little different than everybody else sometimes. Ooh, wardrobe. And Autonomy. They, and they always get the solos. And so I was just like... To me, like, my parents didn't play, like, rock music. We didn't go to rock concerts. So to me, that was a rock star. I was like, yeah. that's the person in the orchestra that has the power and that, like, commands everybody. Wow, I want to be that person. Like, not just one of those violinists. I want to be that one that gets to stand up in front and tune everybody. And how how is what they wear different? They have, like, a red sash or something? Like, how, well, how, some, what is the difference? Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they're wearing the same thing. And sometimes if it's, like, a special performer, like, the you know, featured player, they'll like, you know, the woman would wear like a red dress and everyone else is in like black, you know. So it just depends, but. Well, and that seems like it's kind of a constant theme with you too is kind of 
naturally finding a way to stand out. You know, did you did you notice that? Was that happening as a child? You were like, well, look what she's doing with her hair. What is she? What is she trying to prove? I mean, were you dressing in different ways? You know, how are you different? As a kid, um, you know, I kind of joke that even as a little kid, I had a slight, like, center stage syndrome. Like, I mean, I think I was probably a pretty annoying child just because I always wanted to, like, da-da, look at me. And I remember, <laughs> like, you know, one of my first days ever going to school, it was in uh, first grade. I wore a wig to school and, like, button-up Chinese kimono with gloves. Like, and I can't—my mom let me go to school like this. She, You, know, you went in costume. I went in a full-out, like, dress-up costume, sparkly red shoes— like a wig and my and I can't I'm like what was my mom thinking like I came out ready to go to school and she's just like all right and like and what were you thinking like what did was, you think were you going to accomplish that's the thing I can't remember I remember doing it I remember walking into the classroom like I think it's the reaction I just knew that everyone would laugh and that made me really excited and luckily kids were really nice in Santa Ana California <laughs> yeah those winds and, keep you nice <laughs> and they did somehow I'm like man I'm, I can't believe people didn't make fun of me maybe they did and I was just so like unaware that I was like are you kidding me my wig is awesome I've never heard of anybody wearing a wig the first, the first day of first grade yeah <laughs> I don't know, but that's a first for me. So, yeah, that's the kind of child I was. <laughs> I get it. Not, not much has changed. So, <laughs> well, but you don't do the wig thing. So. Yeah, I've I've left that out. I mean, for the record, it's not a wig, right? <laughs> I was gonna say, how do you know? No, this is my real hair. Okay, <laughs> for the record. So you got your parents to buy you a violin. I did. I convinced them, and I know it was a big, um, it was a financial sacrifice. It was not easy for them to get me a violin and to pay for lessons. Um, But I think that's why I worked hard as a kid was because they let me know that, hey, you know, if you don't practice, like, that's when the lessons stop, and that's when the violin goes away. (laughs) And so I knew that if I want to keep doing this, I got to practice. Right. So at this time, as you're kind of developing the skill of getting better, beginning to experiment with other instruments. What were you thinking in terms of, you know, were the kind of kid that had life goals, things that you wanted to accomplish, a career in mind, that kind of thing? Yeah, I actually wanted to be a, um, <clears throat> a film director. I was super into making videos, violin. I always wanted to keep it a hobby. And I, you know, I worked really hard at it, but I was like, this is always going to be my fun. I don't ever want it to become work, you know, and that's why I didn't even study it in college. I still played and was in the orchestras and stuff, but it was like, that's going to be my fun. Mm -hmm. And that's ironically, I think, why it turned into my, quote, you know, career is because I still love it and I never lost that. But yeah, originally I went to, I went to BYU to study film. I was in the film program and, um, Oh, and we saw, I mean, you put them on your channel, the early videos you made back in high school, right? (laughs) Lindsay's beginnings, right? Yeah. Like 16 years old, 17, 18. Oh yeah. Those Um, are the best ones. A lot of cool special effects in those. I mean, we got <laughs> stuff coming out of people's hands. I love how you just recruited. Fire coming out of your hands? Well, the cool thing is you recruited like all your girlfriends. So it's just like right. all these like high school girls. Yeah. It's a, it <laughs> was a little seeking. out of character, like turning around and like <laughs> shooting ice and fire out of their hands. And like none of us were actors like at all. Ob- really? I mean, <laughs> obviously, which is so great. Like we just, like I, 
kind of cry. Like I'm laughing so hard every time I watch those because they're so bad. <laughs> now, but at the time, you know, obviously they've kind of become comedy videos. That's how right. that, that's how they would be categorized at this point. Yes, but at the time, deservedly so. You were thinking uh, action director. Pretty much. I remember thinking when we were making them, I don't know how I did not see that these were terrible, but I remember even my friends, like I would show them as I was editing and be like, look how good this special effects, like it looks like fire is coming out of my hand. And they were just, whoa, like, I don't know why we all thought in some fantasy world that it looked really good, but we all, you know, knew this was going to win Sundance in the next year. And I don't know. Well, they were super entertaining. And well, thank you. <laughs> and so that's what you wanted to do. You go to BYU Film School right. in order to pursue this. Ba- mm-hmm. your, based on your portfolio, they, le- they, <laughs> they let, let you me in. Right, girl, Hands boy. down. She's got that fire hand thing down. I love the fact that you put that on your channel, by the way. I think that's just fabulous. Well, you know, I, I don't like to put up a facade of like, oh, I just was, you know, just became this automatically overnight. It's like, no, everybody starts somewhere, and usually it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, I think it's cool. I mean... You tell me if this is sexist, but there's a lot of I see a, a okay, lot of. Gu- that's a great way to start a question. <laughs> a lot of guys she probably won't tell you if it is, is but I'll tell you if it is. I mean, there's a lot of guys who I made videos as a kid. There, you know, a lot of the. Uh, I, you just don't see as many girls who are wanting to be filmmakers or taking their dad's equipment and making videos with their friends and forcing their friends into their videos. Um, does that mean make you like a? a filmy tomboy type thing? Ooh, I guess so. I never thought of it that way. It is true, though. Like, I, there aren't as many What's women the in yeah. the field of this, and I'm not sure why. That's why, um, like, I've even gotten to speak at a couple conferences that were, like, women in technology, mm-hmm. you know, because it's something that I think women are so artistic, and actually maybe I'm the one that's being a little sexist. I love working. Like, I edit all my own videos, but if I don't edit them, I usually like to find a woman editor because they edit hmm. differently. Like, women have, they see different things, and I think that women just have a different eye, and I think there need to be more women directors and such because, yeah, that men are great, but women are so rare, and they bring something new to the table, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, on your team now that kind of makes – things happen for you and your videos and that kind of thing where you're like okay let's let's bring in those that group of girlfriends again like i had in high school and let's bring my girls um no actually i mean i guess most of the the people i work with is a it's a group of all guy directors i still need i still need i haven't found any editors in la that are women but um and probably mostly i i still do almost all my own editing just because i'm kind of a nerd and i really it's one of my favorite parts of the whole process is I love to edit the video. Okay. Well, let's go back. Uh, so you made the decision to go to Brigham Young. So yes. you were, did, were you raised in a Mormon household or? I was. Yeah. Okay. It's brought up Mormon and um, just really, you know, it's made me so happy, you know, and I, I just fully believe it. And I actually went on a mission when I was uh, 21 mm-hmm. and uh, and then returned. That's standard. It is uh it it's uh, the young men are asked to go on missions and then girls it's kind of like if you want to go you can go too. Okay. So okay. It, with so. girls it's totally up to to you. Yeah. Mhm. And so you was that an automatic decision you wanted to do that or or most girls not deciding to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's becoming more and more common. It used to be a lot less common, but over the last couple of years more and more women have started to go <clears throat> and um for me, have you, I don't know if you've ever experienced experienced this where all of a sudden you feel very called to do something and you just suddenly, something you never thought you would do, but all of a sudden, like, that's how I felt. I was just like, 
I never planned on doing this. I never, mm -hmm. I never wanted to go on a mission, but I just suddenly felt so called to it. And, um, you know, it felt right. And I knew it was something I was supposed to do. And it, it was kind of ironically almost the same thing with music. I got off my mission and returned back to BYU and <clears throat> I'd be sitting in classes and all of a sudden all I could think about was music. And it was hmm. like music then was became my like calling and all of a sudden I've never been so driven about anything and it was any moment of spare time I was playing with a band here or writing over here or doing an open mic night you know just okay. finding any opportunity I could to play um, but your but your mission <clears throat> was in New York City right it was uh-huh and so that's a year it's what a did year you and do? a half year and a half yeah so it's quite it's a Big, big chunk of time. Um, and as a missionary, you just are teaching people that want to know more about, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ or Mormonism or And they pair you Mormon. up, but you're paired with different people. Mm -hmm. Like we when we talked with Shay in here, we really picked his brain about. Oh, yeah? Because he traveled a lot for his mission, and he had all of these interesting stories <laughs> about getting mugged and all types of stuff. Oh, my gosh, where did he like. go? Um, he went to an English-speaking, uh, he went to Trinidad and Tobago, right? Yeah, cool. and then he went to some, I can't remember right now. He went to the only English-speaking country he wanted in to speak South another, America. Yeah, he wanted to speak another language. Oh, he language. went to the only one? <laughs> in yeah. South America, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So <clears throat> what, what was a defining moment in your New York City mission experience? Oh, very Good, bad, or... Let's see, a defining moment. You know, it was, I always believed, you know, I mean, I was brought up Mormon and I always believed it was true. I never kind of had much reason to question it because I was happy and, you know, I felt it was true. And, but it was on my mission. <clears throat> a mission's really hard because you do nothing but, you know, you don't watch movies, you don't listen to music, you know, all you're doing for a year and a half is literally service, teaching people, you know, and trying to find people that are searching for truth. And you get a lot of rejection with that. I mean, I was spit on, you know, people, mm. you know, people, you know, yell at you on the streets because they don't agree with, you know, just by walking by. They just mm, see your right. name tag and they're like, oh, I hate you. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I mean, of course, with the bad comes the, comes the most amazing. And it was just, you know, and also you can't talk to your family or friends. You don't get to ever talk to them. And so... For the entire 18 months. Uh, you get to call home on Mother's Day and Christmas. Mm. So that's the only time you get to talk to your family and you get to write a letter once a week. And so, you, you know, it's really, you know, this was a time when I had to just really soul search. I was like, when I was struggling, I couldn't call my best friend. I mm. couldn't I couldn't call my mom and just be like, I just need to vent. I was, you know, I was with somebody that I didn't even get to choose to be with, you know. And, you know, I'm, every girl I was with was great, but that doesn't mean they're your best friend. And so, yeah. you know, just really having to rely on prayer and thinking, do I, you know, I'm out here sacrificing a lot. I'm putting a lot, you know, my life is on hold. And do I really believe this? And when I am struggling, can I actually rely on a God to give me support? And for me, it was those moments. It was those hard times that taught me, yes, I can. And I I do know this is true. This is worth sacrificing for to serve other people. And it was the most selfless time of my life. And even though it was hard, I was I was so happy because when you're not thinking about yourself all the time, like, you know, and you're thinking about other people, it's amazing the like the freedom and the just the in inner joy it brings you. I don't know. And there, I don't there'll never be another time in my life where I'll be able to a hundred percent think about other people. And so I'm very grateful for that time that I had and uh, just you know, and it also taught me that you really can get along with anybody, you know, mm -hmm. if you're will, if both right. people are willing to make it work, like you can make any relationship work. But And so that was a, 
<clears throat> you're kind of explaining that that's uh, that was kind of a confirmation of your faith that you went on your mission. Since then, you know, since becoming the Lindsey Sterling that uh, every, everyone knows and loves, um, <laughs> and that you've traveled the world and you've you've met uh, lots of different people, had different experiences. Has that changed the way you think about your faith? No, I mean, in a way, I've had to just really solidify in my own mind, like. Where are the lines? Because the entertainment industry is not <clears throat> very much about, you know, centered on faith or standards. And so, you know, when I started to see myself going down this path of, and I started to catch a glimpse of, okay, this is actually going somewhere. I think this actually is going to work. Um, I really drew some lines and decided where I was going to draw them and what I would do and what standards I would never, you know, let falter. And, uh, you know, and I feel like, a lot of times people think that's a disadvantage because I won't do certain things or I have to do certain things, but I feel like it's protected me so much mm -hmm. because it's given me feet to stand on that aren't going to change. And it's right. also, and it just in so many ways kept me grounded mm -hmm. and real and it's just, and it's made, I continue, it makes me happy. Well, it seems like you've gone, <clears throat> you know, a step beyond just, uh, okay, well, my faith kind of brings about these restrictions or, or, or whatever, but You've taken the external step of saying publicly, I'm, you're part of the I'm a Mormon campaign. Oh, mm -hmm. which so, is basically that's like a mar the marketing campaign for LDS, right? It's one of them. It was just yeah, it's one of the marketing campaigns of just normal people are because Mormons get this kind of weird rep of being very strange and uh, just like weird and so it was kind of a campaign of just like look they're normal like we are normal people so did they did they approach you and say <clears throat> we'd we'd love to feature you uh-huh and then w were you like okay well it's one thing to kind of to be this in my private life and people know you know they know your background when you went to college and that kind of thing but when you take a stand like that you know did you have reservations where you're like ah, okay this is kind of a new this is a new level of sort of like my faith being out there on display well, it does make, uh, you know, it just made me, when I thought about doing this, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be out there in this bold of a way saying that I am Mormon and this is what I stand for, I can't ever falter. Like, that can't ever be a question because now I'm wearing, you know, a lot on my shoulders mm -hmm. of what I've chosen to represent and what my actions now reflect the actions of a Mormon, not You're just— You're like an official Mormon. <clears throat> I'm like an official representative because <laughs> of that video. But yeah. in a way, um, you know, it was almost kind of a, okay, this will, in a way, almost help me feel that extra resolve to, because that's the person I want to be is not just Mormon, but those standards that have made me happy and that have kept me safe, and I don't want to change from that. And so it was kind of like, a, okay— this is just an extra little help to like mm -hmm. never be tempted, you know, or be less tempted to like, oh, just this one time, you know. Well, and since making that stand kind of like, okay, just like you said, you know, uh, okay, well, people have this <clears throat> perception of Mormons or Mormonism. And what, it, now that you've taken this public stand, have you gotten more questions about that? Do, or do you feel like you've kind of taken a position of like, okay, I'm a, I'm a defender of the faith now in the public forum? Like, I mean, how does that play itself out? Um, I mean, hmm, I do get asked quite like in a lot of interviews I do. I'm, you know, I'm very comfortable. Like a lot of people are like, don't ask me about religion or whatever, but I'm very comfortable talking about it just because it's just part of who I am. Um, <clears throat> but I will say it, um, you know, whether people are 
drawn to Mormonism or just, you know, finding their own faith. I, I do appreciate that a lot of people say that by listening to my story or, or whatever, that they've been encouraged to, f- you know, search their own beliefs and, you know, search what do they believe in and try to find something that, that suits them. And to me, that I, I love that. I think that people deserve, you know, and everyone, it's up for everyone to choose what they want to be or who they want to be. But I think it's important to search that out. Mm-hmm. So after <clears throat> after BYU, mm-hmm. uh, connect the dots between w- when did the America's Got Talent audition take place? That was while you were in college, right? Yes, it was. I think it was my junior year of college. I, I went down. I came down here to LA and auditioned for America's Got Talent. And that was uh, that performance was basically uh, a, a version of what you do now. What you're famous for. Right, you were playing and yeah. dancing at the same time. Which was it was funny. That was one of the that was the first time I'd ever kind of tried it. I was like, I have this great idea. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, I didn't have any original music. I was just playing over. You know, I, I think I played over like a Kesha track for one of them and a Flow Rider track for another. You know, <laughs> <clears throat> I would just basically take some of my favorite radio tunes and dance to them while I played, and that was my my new idea. Uh, okay. It's interesting because America's Got Talent, they'll find a lot of people on YouTube. I mean, we went on with the Dope Zebra. You yeah. did? We, were we on, did. We were on, <laughs> we, got yeah, the, we got three X's really fast. Are you? <laughs> it was kind of by design, but that's well, we okay. Were ho- I mean, we were hoping to get at least like halfway through, but it was just, as soon as before. This is but, the Howard Stern era, first oh, Howard Stern. Okay, and you know what? So this is more We were recent. the second people to ever audition for Howard Stern behind a marching band. A marching band was the first, remember that? And they got through. They got through. And then we go out there and before... We're the first thing that Before Howard the zebra starts <laughs> dancing, uh, Howie, I think. Before you got to dance? Before the zebra started dancing. Brutal. Well, Lindsay, we weren't in the suit. Oh. No, yeah. Well, I hate to burst your bubble yeah, there. We were, oh. and so, we were beside we, the suit dressed as get- safari men. In, re- in really short shorts. Of course. And then we were being really stupid. Howard Stern said, you guys I under- you, you guys think you're funny, don't you? And we were like, uh, You're like, actually, uh, millions of people think we're funny. Is what yeah, you it was, uh, <laughs> anyway, you fared a little better. But, a little better, yeah. <laughs> well, but what I'm saying is, America's Got Talent will find people who make YouTube videos, and then they'll say, oh, the producers will get them to come on the show. That's how we were approached, and we just did right. it for the fun of it. I mm. found it interesting that you, it sent, you're telling me you invented your whole act in order to go on America's Got Talent? Well, actually, one step backwards, I invented that whole act because I wanted to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh. And I thought this was how I'm going to get on the show. She loves dancing, and she'll think this is so funny. And so I filmed a YouTube video and mm-hmm. posted it. It was before I even knew exactly what YouTube was. Okay. I posted it on YouTube, and for the time, it went viral. You know, like what went viral in 2007 is very different from now. Yeah. Um, but that was even before my mission. And right after that, I went on a mission. Okay. And then when I got back from my mission was when that video was still just floating around. How many views are we talking about at the time? I think it got like half a, it got like 400,000 views. Yeah. And, but Ellen didn't call you. Ellen didn't call me. <laughs> but that, I mean. I still have not gotten on the show. Someday. Okay, but to say, But to say that, hey, I'm going to do this to get <clears throat> on Ellen, and you get 400,000 views is pretty amazing. Right. And did you have any dance training, or were you just kind of. I was just kind of jumping around, it. just feeling it, swinging my hips. <laughs> no dance training. Really? Um, well, yeah. But none. it's funny, though, because, I mean. I'm not saying I, I'm a I'm a dance expert, 
by any I means. I think you are. I've seen you in that zebra. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I was behind the camera. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, just like, it definitely has this this feeling of like, oh, she's she's got some some sort of training here with the dancing and the pointing of the leg and the, <laughs> it, it, it all it all looks very technical to me. A guy who can like just do the Running Man and well, a little bit of the Roger Rabbit. Well, if I fooled you, then I feel very proud. <laughs> yeah, you're not saying saying much here, Rhett. <laughs> but so no training. It was just like you kind of just invented it. Yeah. It just so was, how did you get on America's Got Talent? So anyway, so yeah, so that video had gone kind of viral, just one video, and then they reached out to me as a result of that one video. Ah, okay. A talent scout found it from mm-hmm. there, said, hey, you should come out. And I just, I remember thinking at the time, oh my gosh, this is my big break. Because I had kind of been, exp- I had driven to Vegas at this point and like handed out DVDs and gone and auditioned for different variety shows. Really? And like with this random violin dancing you thing. You were going for I it. I was like really going for it. And th- I was like this is my break oh my gosh like this is my chance and um so yeah i went for it thinking that my life was about to change was anybody else doing <laughs> i mean is this concept of dancing and playing the violin in the way that you do it is it a totally original idea or they're like oh no no back in 74 <laughs> uh there was this girl who was a boy you should have seen her yeah no one's ever done it in my at all my style no one's really done electronica type well you know to the extent that I've done yeah. it um, you know there's like a group called um, Barrage and they kind of like Celtic dance or they kind of like stomp their feet and you know they'll move but not full on twirling backbends dance like not dance dancing it's right very just more choreographed I thought you were going to say full on twerking twerking you, no. you said full on twirling <laughs> I, I don't twerk that's not my thing I leave you that said to twirl twirl not twerk twirling yeah, right. I'm not a twerk I don't think it would look pretty if I twerked but I don't think twerking well, those looks those I'm a Mormon people will call you right call, call you right up and be like, hold on now we gotta talk we about gotta, this twerking <laughs> <laughs> so you go out there on stage right the, How did you feel? You know, I was so nervous. I was like beyond nervous. It was the first time I'd ever done this kind of performing in front of an audience, you know. And um, my first audition went really well. Like they all liked it and said, hey, you're going to Vegas. And I was all huh. excited. And I made it to Vegas and Vegas again, you know, super nervous. But um, I prepared a new routine. And again, you're you're going through to the live rounds in Hollywood. So, so far, so good. And that's when I was really like, wow, my life is about to change. I'm going to actually get to have a full-on performance on live TV um, coming up soon. And so, um, and then when I made it to that, you know, the next round where it was live, that's when, I, like, I was beyond nervous. You know, I don't think I, I've ever felt that nervous before for is that moment. But it's kind of funny because after a week, they like all these camera crews are constantly filming you and mm-hmm. people are interviewing you all the time. And, uh, you know, you have your own makeup artist, your own costume designer, you know, just you're treated like a rock star. And I've never been treated like that before. And so, you know, I got to this point where I was like, wow, I feel like I'm a really big deal. I'm going to do awesome. And, you know, I, I remember walking on that stage and even though I was so nervous, I felt like, you know, kind of a million bucks, and I was on top of the world at that moment um, until I played, and then I got X'd, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, and then the judges told me a bunch of really mean comments, and at that point, it's just amazing to me. I've never felt that much of an extreme of feeling on top of the world and 90 seconds later feeling humiliated, like hmm. lower than you could ever feel in your life. And just like, I am dirt. Oh my gosh, I am scum of the earth. Kind of a feeling. Um, but th- so there's the one Piers Morgan quote. Yeah. Which I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not going to make you say it unless you want to, but 
Oh no, it's a good one. He told me I sounded like drowned rats being strangled, and which is really nice. I don't even know what that sounds like. Um, oh, you know, and just my. that. And then he went on from there. And then uh, the other two judges were they laying into you too? Um, Sharon's super sweet. I think she could tell I was about to cry, so she just was like, you know, you know, you you have time, you can get better. You know, very encouraging, but definitely no like. You were great, you know. So you were really holding it together. Oh, oh, I, I did. I did not. I did not break a tear until I left the stage, and then I, you know, yeah, I might have cried a, a lot. But was that was that caught on camera? <laughs> it wasn't. They want to interview you as soon as you leave the stage. They want to catch those tears oh, so yeah. bad. But I held it together until finally they, you know, cut, and then I just like ran into the bathroom and just like sunk to the floor, ew, in a you know public bathroom backstage, and just. You know, was there for like an hour, just mm. crying. Who was with you? <laughs> I was by myself. Oh man, I was eighteen, so they don't allow you to have people back. Like if you're like sixteen, you can have your mom or you know, whatever. But if you're over eighteen, I was actually I was twenty two, so I was over eighteen, so I couldn't have anybody. Oh man, so I was just by myself. And then what? I mean, were you like, that's it? I'm I'm not doing that anymore. Well, kind of in a way, as I sat in that bathroom, yeah, I was like, I'm never going on a stage again. Like, that was humiliating. I'd never put myself out there like that before. And for it to, like, just come crashing down from such a high level so fast. You know, national TV being told those things. My family's in the audience. I'm just like, every person I know and I've ever met is watching tonight. They all tuned in to support me. And, um, you know, and my family was so overwhelmingly supportive. And, uh they didn't try to tell me, like, you know, you were great. They just said, we are so proud of you. Like, regardless of what anybody else said, like, we are proud of you. And um, it took a while to get over it. It did. And and finally, I just realized, like, no, I I love doing this. And I just started. I don't even know exactly what it is that I'm doing yet. I'm still fit, trying to learn to dance. And I was like, I shouldn't give up. I just have to get better so that I make sure no one ever says that to me again. Hmm. And it gave me a lot of like, all of a sudden it switched from like fear and terror to like a lot of motivation of like, oh, I want to prove them wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to show, you know, and I love to be able to tell that story to teenagers and kids. I love to like go to high schools and talk about it and show the video. It's super embarrassing. Anybody can see how embarrassing <laughs> that would be. Um, but then to be like, but look, like you can't let other people tell you who you are. And, you know, it's never like, and at the time I thought, oh, I just blew the biggest moment of my life. I blew mm. it. But like the biggest moment of your life will come again. Like there kind of is no such thing. Yeah. Mm. They'll, they'll keep coming and right. they'll come again. If you blow it again, there'll be another one. So what was the game plan? <clears throat> what happened next? Um, I didn't really know. I kind of continued the more traditional route. I started trying to write mute. I did. I wrote some original tracks and I was like, I'm going to throw these on the good old iTunes and, you know, I'm going to send them to record labels and yeah. And you're, st and you're still at college at the time. Yeah, I'm still in college. I'm finishing up soon. Um, and yeah, I, I wrote this music and I basically took all my savings and poured it into writing this music, you know, was, um, and I couldn't get anyone to believe in what I was doing. No record label was like, oh, we see the vision. We get it. Like no one could see it. Um, except, uh, Devin Supertramp who mm -hmm. contacted me, who's like, Hey, I have this YouTube channel and I feature interesting talents on it um and yeah, I, would, we, I mean we absolutely have always known of his channel oh, amazing, amazing uh cinematic 
you know, mind-blowing shots in nature of crazy things happening. People right. swinging lots on stuff. Lots of people having a good time. Exactly. Lots I'm just, of people. I'm just Especially always lately. like, these people. Everyone has so much fun. This is jumping off cliffs, swinging knows, off cliffs. Who knows so many beautiful people having <laughs> such a good time doing amazing things. I mean, it's like, it's a little, it's With not really heli- representative of the world. <laughs> With a helicopter cam there. Right, yeah. So, so. so he contacted, like a cold call, email type thing? A uh, Facebook message. Facebooked me, and at the time... Was ta- he at BYU? He went to BYU. He had since left, but he had enough friends at BYU that, like, one of them sent them a link to, like, hey, dude, this girl goes to BYU. Check it out. It's kind of interesting. And so <laughs> he was like, yeah, that that's really interesting. And he could kind of see, like, a vision that other people couldn't see in it. And um, so, yeah, he contacted me and offered to do a free music video, and only requirement was just like let me put it on my channel and I was like of course like his stuff's amazing like you can do it and you know from there we did this one music video and that night he taught a YouTube seminar at BYU and tons of my film friends went and so I went and uh, my mind was blown to say the least Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that had no idea that YouTube was a world and that it was a platform and that you could have your own channel what and he just kind of went through like this criteria of like this is how you do it like step by step this is how you can become a YouTuber and take control of your and I was so inspired that you started dating him that I started dating (laughs) (laughs) no I said okay I remember thinking hey he's really cute um but we started dating a little bit later uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What are you laughing? Uh, okay, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing. You guys can't see it, but I'm getting embarrassed. Um, but yeah, we started doing all kinds of projects together, and I was just like, I remember I called my mom after that because I was so discouraged. Just this mm-hmm. whole music industry. I was like, how does one ever get in? Like, how do you stick your foot in the door unless you have a million dollars or a connection? And mm-hmm. and finally, I just was like, Mom, I figured it out. I know the way that I'm gonna make it. Like, I can do it my own way. All these other people wanted me to change and do this, and then maybe we'll take you on, but I didn't want to. And I was like, I can do it my own way. I can do it my own pace. I don't have to wait for someone to tell me I'm ready. And um, so, yeah, I started working with Devin. We did all kinds of projects. And What was the first video that was on his channel? It's called. I think he called it "Epic Violin Girl" because all his, because <laughs> yeah. you know at the time yeah, epic, he knows how to title yeah, it. Epic, is epic a, first, <laughs> then two other words. Girl, girl is a girl great one. Yeah. Very searchable. Violin, <laughs> pretty killer. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? very smart. Um, so yeah, and it's it's one of my first songs I ever wrote. It's called "Spontaneous Me," and it's just me dancing around in really pretty places in Utah playing the violin. Much like most of my videos. <laughs> it's, all, it's also on, it on your channel. <laughs> it is on my channel. And I have to say it was amazing because I had these like three songs on iTunes that hadn't sold at all. Like no one knew. It, like my mom bought them and my best friend bought them to support me. But suddenly, immediately when he put up this video on his channel, I think he, had, he only had 25,000 subscribers at the time. Um, but to me, that was a lot. That was like, whoa, he's got an audience of... 25,000 people. And uh, all of a sudden, my songs started to sell. And I was like, okay, I'm totally sold on this YouTube thing. I need to build up my own little channel, which I think had like 3,000 subscribers from that one video. Mm-hmm. But wow. So, and let's date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, that followed. Yeah. How did, how did that work? Well, you know, he was actually living in Hawaii at the time. And so we, like, Whenever he would come to Utah, he would come to Utah quite a bit for projects because he had lots of connections in Utah and um, all his film buddies were there and he was 
coming back and forth from Hawaii to Utah and we'd always hang out whenever he's here. I'd help him on his, you know, shoot as much as I could. And, um, you know, he did a video for me here and there and, uh, we started Skype dating. How cute is that? Wow. I know. Across the ocean. <laughs> Across the ocean. Now, when you Skype date with, uh, Devin Supertramp, is like the laptop <laughs> with the Skype camera mounted on like a helicam <laughs> and it's like rotating all around yeah, he, uses a, he uses a red camera as his webcam. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get like a 4K image of him. It's like an immaculate quality. Epic Skype date. <laughs> that, that should be his next video. I will text him and let him know. <laughs> so, so you were long distance dating. So we were long distance dating. For how long? Oh gosh, like... Probably like three months. Okay. So not too long. Not too long. And then, um, you know, his channel was getting bigger and he was starting to travel a lot. Hawaii is not the most convenient place to travel the world from. And so he, you know, was like, I'm going to come to Utah. And we started real dating once he came to Utah. Are you guys together now? <laughs> no, we're not. Um, we dated for about, a, a, I think about a year, a little over a year. And, uh, but yeah, we're not together anymore, but we still, you know, we're still friends and we still keep in touch a little bit. Is it just too, too difficult to manage two major YouTube channels together? Is that what it is? You know, no, it wasn't so much that it was, um, I think I, we both just realized that we fell in love with kind of something that was not going to last. Like we were chasing our dreams together. That's pretty like, that's a pretty romantic notion. And we were getting to travel to these epic places around the world, making these videos like all paid for by other people and like mm -hmm. just going on all these adventures. And I think we fell in love with each other's like passion and drive. Right. And at the end of the day, we just kind of realized like we're two very, very different personalities. We, like, you know, when all of this slows down, like, are we still going to love each other? <laughs> right. You know, I, I think we just realized we'd fallen in love over something that wasn't actually real. Right. So. And now your, your latest album yeah, the new release, Shatter yes. Me. Uh-huh. Uh, tell us about the, you know, the story <laughs> behind that that title. There seems to be a, a sort of a theme that you're that you're hitting on with the There with is. The album. Um it all went back to I had this envisionment in my head one day right about when I started writing the album of that picture that's the cover. The cover is me as this little ballerina <clears throat> and I'm in this globe and it's like starting to crack. And I just started thinking about this ballerina that spins inside this music box. She's perfect. She's beautiful and flawless porcelain, you know, and she just spins forever to this melody and never, you know, never changes. And I thought about does she want to change? Does she want to get out? And I just had this ultimate connection to this character, this little ballerina, because there was a time in my life when I felt so trapped. And I actually talk about it in my I'm a Mormon video. Um, when I was a teenager, I went through anorexia, and mm -hmm. it got pretty severe before I even realized that there was a problem. Yeah. And um, I just remember one day realizing, like, I am so unhappy I am so unhappy and I didn't used to feel like this. Like, what is wrong with my life? Like, why why do I cry when nothing's wrong? Like, you know, and it was just because I had gone into such severe depression because my body was so malnourished and I was so consumed with things that weren't real, like scales, numbers, food, like just constantly. That's all I thought about. And I had it's like this colorful, vibrant life of that little girl that wore a wig to school and loved to like put on plays for the neighborhood it had been completely suffocated by this 
image of like having to be perfect and having to be in control. Mm. And it was almost like that porcelain shell of this ballerina and this shell of this music box. And um, so Shatter what, what Me. Was the, <clears throat> what was the, was there a trigger that started that? I mean, you said that one day you kind of realized that you had a problem. And it, I mean, some people, they never realize, they have to be told or there has to be some sort of intervention that you, right. to convince them they have a problem. It sounds like you had that realization yourself. Did other people know that you had a struggle with anorexia? Can you trace it back to, was there a trigger? You know, I had had it for a little bit, and my mom had started with saying, you know, you know, a while before this, quite a while before this, like, Lindsay, I think, I think you look really thin. Like, I think there's something wrong. No, no, mom, I'm just super healthy. I'm busy. I'm in college, you know, or I'm in high school, whatever. You know, I'm just, I'm, I just eat really healthy, and uh, I just kept putting it off. And you know, she'd also sat me down later on, saying, Lindsay, I think you haven't, I think you have an eating disorder. No, mom, like you're crazy, like. But one day, I just remember, it was like everything clicked. I don't even know what the trigger was. I actually, I was, remember, I was thinking about how I had just been on a date. And on the date, I couldn't even think about what the guy was saying because I was panicking inside that there was pizza in front of me and that he was expecting me to eat it. Mm. And all of a sudden, I and I was home after this date, and I was just so sick. I was so sad for no reason. I, and I was like, why am I like this? I didn't used to be like this. And I just realized my mind was consumed by worrying about stupid things like the fact that there's cheese on this piece of pizza and I have to eat it. So much that I wasn't even able to focus at all on a person that was in front of me. And I realized my sister was, you know, we were roommates. And I realized I don't even, like, I don't even talk to her much anymore. Like, just I've cut people out of my life because I am so consumed with worrying about myself and being perfect all the time and you know Do you know why you felt that way i mean even the trigger on the front side i don't know you know i i worked um as a therapist for a little bit um after work you know down the line a while later um i actually was gonna be a therapist for eating disorder girls um originally when um i graduated or finished college and uh sometimes there's really strong triggers other times there's not. It just is something that gradually happens to people mm -hmm. as a result of like all the media and the society that we kind of the values that our society has. And um, it just kind of innately grows in people and they don't, you don't realize it because it grows so subtly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then before you know it, like you're consumed and it's just who you, and then when it's a problem in your brain and eating disorder is an actual mental disorder and it's so hard to recognize and it's so hard to overcome because it's the way you think. You can't step outside your own yeah. brain and think about how do other people think. You know, it's like, it's just who I was. And I was so used to thinking that way that it, when it finally dawned on me that that's not normal. I remember talking to my mom about it being like, like, I think about this all the time. Is that not normal? Mm. You know, and just, no, that's, that's not normal, Lindsay, you know, and, um, and, you know, I just remember feeling at this time when I finally realized there was a problem I wanted. I was just screaming inside. I just wish that someone would break me free and just shatter this world that was enc encasing me. And finally, you know, after I went to therapy, I went to group sessions, I, I worked it out. You know, my family was very supportive. And um, finally, I learned that it was like I was the only one that could change myself. Like no therapist could save me. My mom couldn't save me. Like 
I had to, sh- and so that's kind of the song Shatter Me. The music video is about that ballerina, mm-hmm. and basically she has to break hers. And, you know, there's this moment in the video where I, like, hold up my hand, and I see all these cracks all over my body. And I, I just remember when I was <clears throat> starting to change out of my eating disorder habits, it was so scary because everything I had learned to value was based on this crazy disorder in my head, like everything that had value. And I just wondered if I change, is there anything left? Mm. Is there going to be any value left in me? And that's what this ballerina had to think. If I, you know, keep cracking, is there going to be anything left? And, but she makes the decision to play and she shatters the, you know, her shell. And that's when she discovers herself. So that's what Shatter Me is about. It's about self-discovery. Now, since, you know, you've obviously shared that story, uh, in a number number of different venues, and now you've kind of uh, made it come to life in your music. My experience in talking to some other people who've kind of been been vulnerable about something like that, a struggle like that, be- because YouTubers are so connected to their fans, a lot of times you can get very overwhelmed with the amount of people who are reaching out to you for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has that been like for you as people have come? Obviously, I'm sure people have come out of the woodwork and say, I'm also struggling with this. What do I do? Like, How do you handle that type of fan interaction from people who are struggling with an eating disorder? You know, I my heart goes out to them so much because... You know, I just, I know it's such a lonely disorder. It's something that's so secret. And even when I figured it out, like I only told my mom for a long time. My sister knew, but she could tell. But, you know, I didn't want to tell her. I, I couldn't, you know, and it's such a lonely disorder. You feel like no one can understand you. So I, as much as I can, I'll try to, resp- like, those are the ones I, I really do try to respond to. I mean, I just try to respond to a variety of different things, but, you know, my heart just connects so much to that. And I just want people to know there's hope because it feels so hopeless at the times. Like, how can I change the way I think? Like, it's impossible. Um, but I just want to let people know that, like, yeah, you can change. And this is how I did it, but it's different for everybody. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's extremely inspirational to hear uh, the victory that you can achieve over the the way you even your own brain works. Mm-hmm. And But I assume it's, it's not the thing, something that's just, okay, you kind of kill those thoughts and it's over and right. isn't there some level of a residual struggle that is still there or is it something that you can put on a shelf and it's dealt with well it's actually it was super discouraging when i first started because when i found out i had it i did so much research about what is exactly this problem that I have and what do people say about it? And it was so discouraging because they say over and over again, you'll never be cured from an eating disorder. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, I'm (laughs) always going to be like this. But, you know, and it's to an extent, I still have a little unhealthy part of my brain, but it's I know how to control it now. Like sometimes thoughts creep in and I can sense and it usually happens when I'm getting super stressed. Like those little triggers start to come in, but now I recognize them and I can just be like, hey, get out of here. Like and and because it is a brain process, I basically had to retrain my brain on automatic thoughts. Like, you know, when something happened, the automatic thought was, oh, you're worthless because you did that, you know. No, I'm not. You know, I had to retrain my brain, the automatic processes, and I had to look in the mirror, and even though I didn't believe it, I would be like, you're beautiful. And, you know, just I just really had to train myself to basically love myself again and treat myself right. And so because I've done it before, I mean, and it 
I would go through relapses, but every relapse was less severe. And every time I'd get stronger and I'd get quicker at recognizing, uh-oh, I'm starting to slip again. And now it's just, you know, I mean, I, I, just, I see it automatically when, th- when thoughts start to come in or I start to act a certain way. I'm like, oh, no, that's, that's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. We're going to fix that. So you're getting ready to uh, head off on your, your tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you leave for that? On Tuesday. Oh, gosh. The, yeah, or no, we leave on, the, on Monday. We leave on the 12th. Okay, so right around the corner, as soon as the uh, the eye patch is sewed, sewn. <laughs> um, Basically, you're leaving here and going on tour. Yeah, we're going. We're going to be doing the U.S. for two months, and then we go to Europe for a month and a half. And um, so we're going to be just going. So, th- so this these t- events coming together, getting ready to head off on this tour. You have this critical article in the New York Times. That- <laughs> You know, they said, they said some difficult things, even though they don't really understand what they're talking about. Uh, do you feel like you've got something to prove? Not in that way. I have such an amazingly supportive fan base. Like, you know, I mean, I couldn't ask for a more supportive group of people than the people that have followed me, you know, from the beginning. And, um, you know, I, I do, I am a little nervous, not about, in you know, proving myself to anybody, but just I'm doing so many things that I've never done before on this tour. You know, I always like to try something new. You know, I want to stretch the, the envelope a little bit and try new things, but um, definitely taking... Well, cool. Don't stretch the envelope. You should push it, but don't stretch ah! it. <laughs> Push the but envelope. you should stretch before your performances because <laughs> yeah. I stretch yourself and I push that on quite a few you know, things. I think that's where I mix, mixed it up. That's my bad. <laughs> I'm sure you have to stretch. We so do. you're yes. you're doing what? Definitely. Um, what types of things? Well, I've I've gotten really good at improvising and jumping all over the stage and like I said, twirling, not twerking. <laughs> um, but I've gotten really good at just bouncing all over the place. But this time I'm working with a, a choreographer for the first time, my first dance instruction ever. And um, I have two backup dancers that I'm really excited about. And we have a lot of choreography together. And so, you know, if I get off, it's very obvious because the two dudes next to me <laughs> right. are doing the, you know. So anyways. So it's two guy dancers. Yes, it is. I wanted them to be able to like pick me up and, you know, and also having two like strong dudes next to me makes me look super dainty. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I'm I'm truly inspired by your story, you know, the things that you've overcome and the, just the the negative feedback and the way that it fuels you to to achieve victory. Ding. By the way, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Just today, Piers Morgan tweeted what did he tweet? I wish I could remember it verbatim, but he said, Okay, Lindsay Sterling, you proved me wrong. How awesome what? is that? Hey, today. Today. That's great timing. I know. I was you know? pretty stoked about that. I was like, that's been a long time in coming. Um, thank you, Piers Morgan. So, anyways. Closure. Closure, yeah. finally. The open wound has been <laughs> has been stitched up now. Did you reply? I, I retweeted. I actually have not replied yet. It's been a crazy... I was on set all day. But, but you retweeted it. I retweeted well, you know. and I Instagrammed it, but I, I should reply. That's the polite thing to do. What do you... Let's see. You, I know. What you should Rhett, I... You, don't, Listen, I oh, come you you're asking yeah. <laughs> Rhett to yeah. tell you what to say? Yeah. Just buy my workout DVD and we'll call it even. <laughs> you I could, think it's worth... Hey, I would just say, thanks, but no thanks. No, no, no. How about too late, Piers? No, okay. How about... Uh, <laughs> Keep them coming. These are all about, really how bad. How about just... How about how? Tell me about how your show's going. Thank you. Which is canceled. <laughs> means a lot. 
Really? <laughs> exclamation point. Uh, exclamation point. Okay. Then a wink. Ooh, an emoji <laughs> wink or just the little like semicolon wink? Uh, hmm, I don't know. What do the British prefer? <laughs> Probably just the, the, the real one, the semicolon. The real one? Oh, yeah. the semicolon. Okay. Yeah, not emoji. Well, listen, this has been a true pleasure. Uh, yes. It's time for you to sign the table. Thanks for coming yes! in. Yes. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, our ear biscuit with the one and only Lindsay Sterling. Let Lindsay know what you thought about her ear biscuit. Tweet at her. That's at Lindsay Sterling. That's Lindsay with an E, not an A. And of course, that's at the end of the name, not at the beginning. Well, there's also be, an I. It would be Lindsay or Lindsay. There's one E and there's three I's in Lindsay Sterling. Lindsay with an E and Sterling with an I. You know, I mean, you gotta you gotta know these things because there's a bunch of different ways to spell that. You could probably spell that it's name. It's Lindsay with an I and an E, seventeen and different Sterling ways. with two I's. I know, but yeah, but well, you know that the Lindsay with an with an E means Lindsay with with, uh, with an I at the beginning, right? Or is there a Lindsay where you spell it L Y N N? D S E Y. We could have just spelled it out <laughs> and, and and we'd have been done a few minutes ago. It's L I N D S E Y S T I R L I N G. I just spelled it in a way that makes it sound confusing. You know, but you didn't seem too fond of any of my ideas for. Well, I did uh honestly, I thought they were great ideas and I didn't want you to I wanted to get a contract in place before you shared them with us. Oh, because you're, oh, she's going to kill it with that workout DVD. Dude, man, let me tell you right now. <laughs> I, ten didn't, year, I didn't want her to be insulted. I was years, a little concerned. It's not an insult. I, I mean, the, I don't think it was. It's I, of nothing course I like know asking it. her if she plays weddings or kids' birthday parties. <laughs> it's just you've, you're doing this amazing aerobic thing and you're playing music at the same time. You could give all of the people in the class a fake violin. Like, they don't have to know how to play the violin. And you know what? That's just one more thing to sell with the DVD. You get the DVD. Of course, I mean, they don't do DVDs Buy the DVD, get a free violin. Get a free rubber. The economics of that don't work. No, get a free like plastic violin or rubber violin. It's just something you put up there. And you know know what it is? It's weighted. The violin is weighted. Ah. And there's different ones. You get a whole set of weighted violins. You could sell these things in Target, Walmart. You go in there and you're like, oh, there's that Lindsey Sterling set, seven violins of different colors uh, increasing in weight, and you get the DVD with it. Think about that. I've worked my way up to the Lindsey Sterling workout cello. (laughs) Still Uh, under my neck. (laughs) I'm a strong dude. Man, sometimes I just wish we had time to execute these things. Of course, we got to get her to buy in on this. Okay, you could, that's what you need to tweet at her, people. That's why we went through so much trouble to make sure you knew how to tweet at Lindsay because we got to get her on board with this workout DVD. Two guys, two weights, and a uh, violinist with a cello. We could call it uh, <laughs> violinisthenics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Violinisthenics with Lindsay Sterling. Oh, wow. That's, that's a collab on our channel. All right, we talked to Lindsay afterward about doing a collab on our channel, and I was like, I don't know what we would do, but you know where to find us, and well, that, well, that's our idea. Yeah, that's got to be it. Okay. Please, no one else do it first. There it is, the creative process happening in the in the post-haze of, of Lindsay Sterling having left the building. Remember... Uh, if you like ear biscuits and you want to keep having ear biscuits manufactured and put into your ear holes via headphones or however you listen to this, 
Uh, let us know what you think about it on iTunes. You leave a review and you rate the podcast. That helps us uh, a lot. You can also leave a comment on SoundCloud. Yep, do it. While you're on iTunes, Get uh, download Shatter Me, uh, Lindsay's new album. Yeah, of go course. ahead and do that too. And see her in concert. She's going to have two guys uh, being backup dancers. Yeah, she's going to have an eye patch. And listen, she's going to be coming to a city near you. She's going all over the freaking world. <laughs> you're probably going to, she's probably going to, Come to a city near you, and you should go see her. But we're going to be right here. She's giving out free oranges in, to, in one of the during one of the numbers. No scurvy for you. We're going to be right here next week. You can count on us to deliver another hot piping biscuit for your <laughs> ear. Wow! <laughs> and we will also be hot and piping, like we'll have pipes, like flutes, like the Pied Piper, and this we'll be a, dancing. And it will be we could be the Pied Pipers, and that could be this our. This is in the video. This is on. This the, is in our workout video. Okay. Now. Weighted pipes. Hot and piping with Red and Link. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>